the first section is ma'arif, which is marifa. So you have to, the things that you have to recognize. And we're going to see the word arif and marifa and irfan. This is the things that you must recognize. So recognition is based on scent. When you smell something, you recognize what it is. Knowledge is something quite different. Knowing for Ibn Arabi is something you encompass something. I know something means that you know everything about it. You recognize something means that, oh, I caught a scent and I know what that is as a recognition. So the first section is recognition, and it uh, takes up about 13% of the futuhat. Now, 30% of the chapters of the futuhat are taken up by recognitions. And what it turns out that this is the what was on the youth's head. And a youth who is, has 30% of the body mass or the body surface area is in the head are people who are adolescents, about 13, 14 years old or so. Uh, most of our heads are about 10% or 9% of our body surface. And so we can know the age, in a sense, of the youth. So this was the youth, and he was, he said, lift up my veils and see. So the first thing he saw was what's on his head, and then the next one is the interactions. And the interactions in, in Arabic classical uh, texts are the mu'amalat, are the contracts. So like marriage contracts, inheritance contracts, uh, all of these things that do with the, how you interact with one party to another party. But for Ibn Arabi, it's those things and much more. It's how the creation interacts with the creator. So creator-creation interactions is the second section. And this is probably the torso. This is the this is the, one of the largest parts, the largest sections of the of the futuhat. And then third are the ahwal and hal are the things that you have, the states that you have to experience and have to feel. So hal in traditional Muslim language, you say kya hal hey, what is your hal today? And the person says I'm sick, I'm well, and you know whatever I am. So these are all the things that you have to be, you have to experience. Uh, then there are the mansions, the places that you go to, which you then alight at. And as you alight there, you have this experience and then you learn something. So these are the alighting places. Uh, mansions. Alighting places, the awfully similar, but that, this is where you would sit and learn something. And this is where not only would you sit and learn something there, but that the creator would come down to meet you there. So these are the places where the, where the divine comes to you to teach you something. And these are called the munazilat, the places where you meet. And then finally, the maqamat, the maqam, a maqam is a station, it's a place on your journey, and a maqam in musical terms is are the notes. These are the notes on your on the journey of the, of the music, of the song. So the song of your life has notes, and those notes are modulated, and so everything in Ibn Arabi is the who, which is H-U, who, it's the zat, it's the essence, uh, it's the huia, and huia in Arabic is feminine, so, it, so we call her she. And this she is, is, in a sense, in the divine hadrat, in the divine presence, and hadrat is also feminine. So you say, all the things that are really important for Ibn Arabi in the cosmos are she in her presence. And so mm -hmm. um, the, the, these modulations are the sound that comes out of the body, uh, make sounds or and and make musical notes and they are modulated and the, and the way they are modulated tells you what you hear and so along your path of life you will have these modulations which you will be hearing okay Good. so the first thing that everyone has all gone through is the this is called uh, well the first uh, Ibn Arabi will take you through the name Allah itself so 
the 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 first sort of uh, the basic hadith that is that is taught is that uh, there was a time when the Prophet ﷺ was talking to the Quraysh and they were poo-pooing him and saying, we don't want to hear that, That's what's that, what's that? And then another tribe comes in and the Prophet said, would you like to learn something today? And they said, we would. And they said, we would like to know where was our Lord, our cherisher, before the creation? And the Prophet said, Allah that Allah is, was, and there was nothing with who or nothing with him. But it's really nothing with who, and I'll explain that in a little bit. And then the person who narrates this hadith said, and then someone came in and said, my camel was off, going somewhere. So I went out and looked for my camel, and when I got back, they were done. So <laughs> I said, I said, by God, I wish I just left the camel alone. So there, there are times for all of these things. What, what Ibn Arabi says is that this needs to be understood as Allah is, and there is nothing with who. And who is the third person masculine pronoun, it's also a feminine huia in Arabic, and it is, and, and she is the the uh, the breath that comes out that makes sounds, she is the breath that makes letters alive, uh, and then that makes events alive, and so on. And so the way Ibn Arabi says, one way to look at that is you take the name Allah, and Allah is actually Allahu, but you don't, he you hear the who, but you don't see the calligraphal H U, you just see an H. Um, if you multiply the, the alif by the lam, you get lam, and you get the two la inside. That's la, which means no, so it's negative. It drops out. You have alif and ha. You multiply the alif by the ha, you get ha, and all that's left is hu. <laughs> so you you have Allah. You do you evaluate it algebraically, and you end up with hu. <laughs> So this who is a is is in a, is a sigh and a breath, and so the first sigh that takes place is that Allah says, "I am a treasure that is concealed and is concealed for a reason, and I am not recognized." And then, but I love to be. Now this is really a but. So, but I love to be recognized. So I create the creation and I introduce. This is the same word arif. So to arifah is to introduce yourself. So I introduce myself to them, and they recognize me, and they recognize me. So this is the basic, uh, this is the whole process. So the first thing that happens is a divine sigh. And a sigh, when you love something, you sigh and you get this warm vapor. And the warm vapor creates this mist. And the mist is the first place which Allah says is, is in and it's the first place that is created. And so the creation of the mist is the place from which all these things will happen. And so the warm breath of sighing for something that is loved. And you always love something that doesn't exist. And this is sort of the sad thing that Ibn Abi tells us. Everything you love doesn't exist. And it's, there's a reason for that. Uh, I love this, it doesn't exist. And I love that, it doesn't exist. Nothing you love exists. And so nothing that God loves exists until it's created. And so the first thing that's created is the Nur Muhammad, and that's the first thing that recognizes the divine. But it wasn't there before, so God wanted something to happen, wanted something that wasn't there. And so 
we'll, you'll, we'll see that in a little bit, why it's so important to realize that everything we love doesn't exist. And then luckily, Ibn Arabi says, but some people then tell me, well, what about, you know, I love to hug this person. And when I'm hugging that person, how can you say that that person doesn't exist and that that hug doesn't exist? And then Arabi says, you might love that person, you might hug that person, but when you are hugging the person, you are wishing that it will last forever. And it and forever it does not exist. So you're back to everything you love doesn't exist. Okay. We'll see why that's in a little while. So in here, we now have the, 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 the mist is there, the sigh, the longing sigh of love is there. Inside that mist, uh, Allah says there are five places that Allah is in. That's one of the places. Inside that mist is, is the desire for to be recognized, to be known, to be seen, to be recognized. And so the creation comes out, and the first thing that happens is, am I not your cherisher? Now, the word rab in Arabic, everyone always is translating it, Lord. And Ibn Arabi says that rab has two meanings. It has, a, it has a sort of dangerous or strong meaning, and it has a very gentle meaning as well. And it's one of those, um, those Barzakian or uh, intermediary names. And rab is rabbaptu, means I raised you. So if I raise someone and foster them and nurture them, then I am their rab. I am the one who raises them and, and nourishes them. So the best way to, pronounce, to translate rab most of the time is cherisher, someone who raises you, loves you, wants you to be good and have good things. So the first question is, am I not your cherisher? And as you notice, this is neither a essay question nor a multiple choice. It's a rhetorical question. It's very easy. When I say, am I not your Lord? Am I not your cherisher? I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You are. It's very easy to answer that one. So everyone answers that because it's very easy. It's the first thing. And then what happens after that is that after you've made that easy decision of that, yeah, of course, this is our cherisher. This is the one who's cherishing us. Then we get sent down to the footstool, and we'll see what happens when that happens. But we'll be sending through the cosmic throne, the footstool, the stars, the planets, the comets, the sky of the world, into the womb of the mother. And when you enter the womb of the mother, you have gone through the cosmos. So from the, am I not your cherisher? You've gone through the cosmos. And wherever you hang up, in the cosmos as you are coming down, those are going to be the places that you will have in this life you have problems with. Those are your, going to be your challenges. And I actually wrote something like that in the Ibn Arabi journal in 1998. So this is the idea that you're coming through the cosmos, you're getting hung up on different places. And that's why zodiacs and, and things like that are important because if you are hung up on Saturn, when you get to this world, you're going to have Saturnine problems. And so, and you will, you can see this happening. And so, so you, it's not just your first environment of the family that creates your issues that you've got to deal with. It's actually before you're born, those issues are, are coming up and are becoming your issues. <laughs> and so, when you enter the womb of the mother, there's a, a, a pressure. You, have, you, are, you are pressured. And as you're in this pressured place, at some point, uh, you, the, there's something that's not sustainable. Something's got to give. Um, and so because you're taking too much nourishment from the mother, um, you're getting bigger and bigger. And so at that point, the, when the pressure becomes unbearable, a path opens up, a channel opens up, there's light on the other side, you go towards the light, and you enter up into here. And then at the end, you, at the end of this here, 
you go to the womb of the grave, and the womb of the grave is described by the prophet as a also a gentle pressure for those who have done good things. And so the gentle pressure, but that eventually gets unsustainable as well. And so in the grave, a channel will open up, a light will be at this other side, and you will go through that into the next place. Okay. So who's got the bingo who can say number six and read us this one? <laughs> Who's got page six? So this is uh, what we'll be seeing is the the basis of the aleph is here and the wav is here. Uh, these are how the letters are organized. Now, Panini in the sixth century came up with uh, describing how Sanskrit is, is created. All the letters are created in the mouth. And then Arabic, used, their dictionaries were also created. Al-Ain is a dictionary created by how the, the letters are fixed in the mouth. And uh, my Sanskrit teacher used to always say the om is not something you actually hear. He said it's internal. And that means that you go from alif, aum, alif, wav, u, and then m. So a-u-m is this process here that stays internal. Uh, this is also then in Arabic, the, the first is alif, and then the ha, and then ends up in the wa. And the alif is in Latin, it's called the spiritus lenis, the easy spirit, uh, breath. And so the easy breath is the Hamza or the Aleph. Uh, the Aleph is never seen grammatically, um, and therefore you, the first letter that is seen is the H, the Ha. And the last letter that is made is the U, Hu. So now you have the Hu. This is Allahu. The Hu starts here and ends here, and then it comes back and forth. So from the, from the heart, through the throat, to the mouth, and then at the lips. And this exactly corresponds to... The first intellect, the soul, nature, dust, body, form, throne, footstool, atlas, orbits, one sky, second sky, third, fourth, fifth, seventh sky, mm. fire, air, water, dirt, mineral, plant, animal, angel, jinn, human, and then the footstep. Mm. So this is this is exactly the letters and all of the things that are there in the cosmos are are corresponding. They match. They correspond. Mm. And the breath of our breath to create a sound is the breath of the divine nafas ar-Rahman, the breath of Rahman, which creates all of these things and it comes out. And so when you say whose breath is that, it's not our breath because we have no control of it, over it. Our first breath and our last breath, these are all uh, things that are out of our control. And so since it's out of our control, we know it's not ours. So whose is it? It's whose, right? And that's how that all comes together. So who's got page six? I get the rest of my voice. Someone's got page six. Page six? Yeah. Right down there, page six. The ein is one. It'll look just like that figure. It should look. Well, you know, you'll see You'll see that there. <coughs> the ein is one. Is this 26? No, that's 26. Thank you. Okay, so that means you got it. I don't have it. You don't have it. I don't have it. Okay. I've got a copy. <laughs> the ayin is I, but the property differs. That's why the spirits and the images vary. So the ayin being one, there's, there's, there's only one entity, and it modulates. And all the modulations are the different spirits and the different images. So there is, there is one breath, which then modulates in the mouth, 
There's one song that modulates in instruments, and there's one reality that modulates in the cosmos. Mm -hmm. In that way, the true is a basis of the single eye, which does not accept counting. It is, even if it is a single eye, what is named the living, the self-subsisting, the inaccessible, the aggrandizing, the compelling, up to 99 names for a single eye, while the properties are different. What is understood by the name the living is not what is understood by the name the wanting or the powering or the measuring. It is just as we said about the letter Saul, and it is the same way with the rest of the letters. The letters exit from the breath of the breathing human being who is the most complete of configurations, and by the human being the letters emerge, and by the breath all of the letters. So the human being is upon the divine form. By means of the nafs al-Rahman, the kind-based breath, the emergence of the letters of existence and the universe of words is the same. The human breath completes them. 28 letters to be verified for yourself. Originating from the nafsa rahman are the point entities. Ayan, singular ayin of the divine words. 28 words, each word having facets. It originates from the nafsa rahman and it is the mist in which our cherisher was before who created the creation. And so Rahman, um, the reason I'm using the word kind is because uh, the people of the Raham, of the womb, who share the womb are kin, and kin are kind to each other, and so Rahman is, a, is the basis of Rahma is kindness. And so, uh, and so there's the all comprehensive mm -hmm. name Allah, and then there's the name Rahman. And Rahman then as kindness, as kin, so everything that comes from the same womb is, a, is kin, um, that this Rahman is the one that settled on the cosmic throne. So Banabi says, because Ar-Rahman and not any other name settled on the cosmic throne, the entire cosmos will have a good, kind ending, um, and that everyone's final destination will be kind by definition, because the name Al-Rahman is the one which is uh, settled on the cosmic throne. Okay, And so, just for speed, so the Ha is the first letter to emerge from the entities and from this breath, and and then it seeks to go to the end point, which is the U, which is the Hu. So the Ha is first and the Wav is last, and before that there is no intelligible, beyond that there is no intelligible letter. So the species in the universe are encircled by these letters, and they are encircled by these entities, including human beings and the soul and nature and all of that. And they are renewed as long as the rope from the true to creation exists. The idea of rope is also the extending hand of the divine to creation. And the word for imdad is also the word for ink. So when you write something, you are extending through ink what your meaning onto a piece of paper. And so the same way the divine extends to creation, the helping extended hand so that creation will have its final destination of goodness and kindness. Okay. 
So if you've seen the movie Inception, there's an article out there, Ibn Arabi and Inception. And uh, I spent a few days in Indonesia teaching Inception and Chapter 8 of the Futrat al-Makia. And they're uh, strangely uh, connected. It's very interesting. Inception, according to this person in this article, is talqeen in Arabic. It's the one thing that is put in you so that you will remember what you need to remember. And if you know the movie, uh, the one interpretation is that Cobb's father has created this entire event that the movie chronicles as a way to remind Cobb what he had forgotten, that this world is an illusion and that there is a, another more real world somewhere else. And this is the, the Talqeen or the inception that we have to remember as well. In traditional Muslim societies like uh, in the subcontinent, if, they have, if you have a birthmark, they say the angels were pinching you to remind you of the alastu, that am I not your cherisher? So those birthmarks are the angels pinching you to remind you. And in the traditional Muslim household, you, the first thing the baby hears is the adhan, the Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And this is to remind the child about where you, have, you are coming from. Okay. Shall we? And this is the so the, the path through the cosmos. Ibn Arabi is going to talk about this path and how uh, this path is from state to state and also dream world to dream world. Ibn Arabi talks about dreams within a dream, and he talks about uh, how the how time dilation takes place in different dream areas. And time dilation, of course, is crucial to the movie of Inception uh, because. What happens is the Talpin in the movie Inception is that the, the dream travelers who are like the spiritual people here, dream travelers can recognize that when something happens in this world that they're in, it's a, it's a reflection or a shadow of what's happening from the other world. So when uh, the taxi driver whose name is Yusuf, which is Joseph, the interpreter of dreams, mm -hmm. so Yusuf uh, doesn't go, doesn't pee before he takes them on this trip. And so when they enter in the dream world, it's raining because all he can think about, I got to go pee. <laughs> and so they recognize, Yusuf, why didn't you pee before we came to this dream? Just the way some mystics might approach you and say, why didn't you do this before this happened? You'll say, what does the weather have to do with you know, big spiritual questions? Well, that this is where it's all connected. And so the Talqeen for them is the Edith Piaf song. And so the Edith Piaf song, when they hear that, they know that they remember that it's now time to move to the next uh, dimension, the next dream. And uh, this uh, this sound, this Edith Piaf song in Sufism, is the, the sound of the Alastu, am I not your Lord? And they said yes. And the answer is Bala. And so uh, all of the, 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 the saints will tell us that that they even hear that today. They, they, they hear the Edith Piaf song still. And Bala from Ba, they say that's why babies come out and they say Ba, 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 Ma, 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 Ma. It's because this is what they've just heard. And they're remembering those things and reminding themselves that this is what they have to remember as they grow. Does somebody want to read this? Who's got number eight? Bingo. Yeah, I got eight. There we go. Right. If you don't mind, please. Sure. He leaves them drowning in the oceans of pleasure. And seeing the that who, mm -hmm. and he says to them, "You will certainly be in great pain." But they did not understand what pain is, because of the integrity of the attribute giving them pleasure, standing before the vision of their cherisher in Alastu. That was, "Am I not your Lord?" Yeah. Then he brings out to them the world of existence and decay. And at that moment, 
He teaches them all the names, and he sends them down to the cosmic throne of Al-Rahman, who settled there. And there was the pain. They were concealed from him in the treasure troves of his unseen. When the angels saw them, they fell prostrate before them, and they taught them the names. And as for Abu Yazid, he was an up-to-kind one going and settling on the throne, and he couldn't bear the pain. So he was thunderstruck then and there. He exalted, said, Bring him, my beloved, back to me, because he has no endurance apart from me. Then he was veiled by love and infinite address. And so they remain kuffar, ingrates covered up. So this is Ibn Arabi's uh, reading of the, the surah of, of Baqarah, where it says they, their hearts are, are, are veiled, their eyes can't, they don't see through their eyes, their eyes are veiled. Um, and he says, of course their eyes are veiled, they only see Allah. And then when Muhammad Wasallam is telling them, do this and don't that, don't do that, they say, we can't hear you, we only hear God. And so these are the, the, the awliya or the walis, they are the ones actually uh, who could be called kufar, the ones who are infidels or disbelievers, because they cover up, and they are covered up, uh, that Allah says, they can't, this, this wali cannot live without me, bring him back, and then covers him up in all of these good things. Because the names that they are teaching, which are some of the names? Those are names, half of them we can't stand, we don't want, we, can't, we don't like. We don't like the divine name gives us death. We don't like the one, the divine name gives us constriction. Mm -hmm. So all these names we don't like um, are, are, are there, and that's, that's the way things are. That's, and, and if we can't handle that, that's because we can't handle our first fall from the vision of God into the footstool, where now we're told the footstool has one left and one right, or two rights, mm -hmm. saying do this and don't do that. And when you're about a year and a half, you had that footstool issue with your mother. And, the, and that is your mother said, don't do that. And you said, I thought you loved me. You know, and because when you're, you thought you had unconditional love and then suddenly you've got to do things to be loved, it's very difficult transition. And so that transition is the people get stuck in the footstool. And so uh, this, is the, this is the understanding conditional and unconditional love and then finding your place with all of that. Um, and so... The, the, that's this is the problem of the footstool. If you want to continue that, sure. then they descended from the throne. Then they descended from the throne to the footstool, and the two feet corresponding to do and don't become clear to them. They are descended onto them in the third part remaining of the night, <coughs> with this bodily configuration corresponding to the fetus into the sky of this world, as a breathing being corresponding to the newborn. They address the weighty ones who are not able to ascend on high. Is there someone entreating so one could be answered? Is there someone turning in repentance so one could be turned to? Is there one seeking forgiveness so one could be forgiven? This goes on until the dawn breaks. And when dawn breaks, the spirit of intellect and light appears and they return whence they came. And he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, said, Who wants to fast continuously, let him continue until dawn only. 
that is the time when what is in the graves would be scattered about. So every creature not alert to being fooled by God is going to be deceived. So understand. Okay. <laughs> Let's go next. We'll keep hearing this as we go. Next one? Yeah. All right, back to the, the letters. Uh, and so these are, so letters, we have, we, so Ibn Arabi is very clear about uh, that every divine name that comes onto you uh, wants to stay there. And that you have the responsibility to make some of them leave so that you get the other one. And he says, this is the, we are built with this uh, innate uh, feeling of boredom. We're innate. We are built to not be happy with one thing, and we want the next thing. And as I just said, remember, everything you love is non-existent. So love and attraction and all of that stuff is for what doesn't exist. So it never stops. It keeps going. And this is a necessary thing. We're not supposed to be happy with the divine name that's occupying us. We want to get that one out so another one can come in. And so the divine names are saying, we want to have our jurisdiction. We want to have our sultana, our dominion. And, uh, and the ones who are under our dominion, they don't want that. And so this is the issue of, um, of life, that, we, that the divine names are all trying to have their dominion on us, and we are trying to uh, have our own dominion or another dominion. And so this struggle is the struggle of, uh, of life. And the struggle is the wheel of life. It, it, it happens through all of these letters. Each of the letters gives us a different um, divine name and a different reality. And then we, we sit with it, but then we move on to the next one because the who from ha to wav is a circle. And so everything needs to keep circling. And then you have, uh, and Allah is really Allah who. So you have Allah who, la ilaha illah who. And so you have a circle of even the name Allah itself circles around and around. And the who is calligraphically, calligraphically invisible or unseen, but it is heard and therefore seen in the physical world as a sound wave. So the who is seen and unseen. It's seen and unseen at the same time. And it's neither seen but not unseen or unseen but not seen. It is seen and unseen at the same time. And the calligraphy shows us that uh, just the way we find that the nun, nun wal kalam, this nun here is seen to be this. It's pronounced nun. So the sound is something that is more than what it is. And we'll look at that in a minute, but I'll just give you a hint that uh, most, when you, after you read Ibn Arabi, and you read this verse from the Quran, you generally will start blushing because what happens is that the nun, we'll get to it in a little bit, the nun is the womb. The aleph here is actually an aleph that's standing up like this. When you look at an aleph this way, you see a dot. When you look at an aleph this way, you see a line. So uh, the nun has its own kalam already. And while kalam, a kalam is a pen, a pen scratches on a tablet. And by scratching on a tablet, the two, the tablet and the, and the pen, create a new being. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, and then all of the letters then begin to, you see them in themselves. So the nun itself contains the aleph here of azal and the, and the za and the lam. So azal, the timelessness, is inside, is, is in the womb itself. The womb itself tells you that she is timeless. 
and the palam then comes after timelessness. Okay, so you have the 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 timeless womb, and then the then the new palam which writes, then which creates another new thing. So all things are made out of three. Uh, these are the two parents, and the third is the child. And so all things uh, take place in three. So Ibn Arabi says you can start counting with two, or you can start counting with three. But you can't count with one, because one is not a counting number. <coughs> I wrote a whole article about that. I don't think we got time to get that. One is not a number, and Aleph is not a letter. Okay, next. <laughs> okay. So we had the Ain Wahda, the, the Ain is one. And so uh, what, was, what was interesting, so the Ibn Arabi is saying every, all there is is a single entity. There's a single entity which then is modulated with shapes and colors, and that this modulation accounts for the, the complexity and multi, multiplicity of things is all based on that Ain Wahda. So all things, there's only one thing which has multiple uh, things coming out of it. And so uh, that, so it's not strange that from the one comes many. Uh, and so this is, this is the basis that the one, which is the single ein, the single entity or source or, or being, from that all things come out after that. And so multiplicity, muhtalif, the different things, are all coming from the single thing. And uh, I've connected some of Ibn Arabi's work to uh, what he talks about, um, about the implicate order with, of course, the David Bohm. And, and taya in Arabic is when, you, when something folds over. And so the implicate order is a folded over, a taya, a folded over order. And so, of course, it's a lot of connections to what David Bohm was looking at. And so as I was doing this, I suddenly came across this article. And, they, and these you know, disciples of David Bohm says, are all particles just the same particle? <laughs> and so you get this situation where whatever's moving at you could be just there could be just one particle, and you see it differently as a muon or as a, a gluon, depending on what color or variation has happened to it. But it's just one particle. So is everything one particle? And then of course in the monadology of uh, of Leibniz, you've got the idea that if a monad inside one entity all entities are reflected and so so you can see the entire universe in a single entity and you can see a single entity in the entire universe mm -hmm. and so Ibn Arabi says that this is the this is a situation where the one is the one is the many and the many is the one and he goes back and forth and he said this is a, a strange mystery and he can't take you any farther than that because the idea of fractals um, came up mathematically in Algeria, in, uh, in Sidi Ben Abbas. Uh, uh, Raul, um, Raul Gaston, I guess. Uh, Raul Julia came up with the idea of fractals. And then what happened later is that uh, Mandelbrot in, in the US came up with the, put some of these fractal ideas onto a computer and they realized that the screen was doing some weird things. And so he then started you know, popularizing this idea of fractals, that, that the entire informational set is inside the one and that the one then the one creates the entire holds with it everything that is going to happen and is happening so this is a fractal way of looking at the, the world the aina lahta okay let's keep so the aina is one of the properties multiple so we had that quote just before and uh, you don't say that Abraham's friendship with God is more noble than Moses and so on. 
Um, so, so if someone could read who's got page 14. There we go. Yeah, if we could read the maybe those two there. Page 14. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Um, so Algeria is obviously an Arabic name. What does it mean? Well, no, the, so the, the country Algeria is where in 1800s, uh, Raoul Coulia, a Pianoir, I guess, was, was uh, he did the mathematics for this thing called what we now call fractals. Whereas if you, if you take uh, the, the number Z, uh, take Z and you, and you run it through an iteration, you can get an iteration that the, the answers uh, either go off into infinity or they become or they remain constrained. And if they remain constrained, you call that a zero. If they go off into infinity, you call that a one. And then you realize that there's no predicting by what numbers you put in whether that number will run off to infinity or that run, number will stay contained. So Raul Julia was the first one to do that, and they're called Julia sets. And, um, and then much later, 100 years later, uh, Benoit uh, Mandelbrot, took that same those same equations, put that onto a computer, and then was finding out that this that when you start depicting these zeros and ones, these these, these uncontained ones and these contained ones, you got these sort of broccoli like fractal patterns. And so from that he started exploring the idea of fractal, fractal worlds. Um, so for Ibnarabi's time there was no mathematical discussion of this, but what he describes is what we now have a mathematical description description of. And so the way he sees these things happening is that you have, you have the first circle and then the waves that are coming after that circle and the waves keep going out and out. So whoever has page 14, if we could get those, the last, maybe the last two paragraphs. I'll, I'll read the first part here. So she, faces, so she faces all of the points in their multiplicity with her thought. Therefore, the multiplicity has appeared from the one I'm and who did not become multiple in its dot. So the who uh, is always producing multiplicity, but can never be uh, seen, reduced, or, or contained. Uh, but it is the, the wellspring, the iron, of all of the multiplicity that we have, that we experience in the cosmos. So whoever can read that? Do we have page 14? So what? From there? Yeah. So what? Okay, so with the visible circles of the first circle, then number is equal the number of the treasure troves of genera, whatever they may be, not more than them and not less. Whatever emerges and arises newly of them, these circles, until no end point, are circles of individual individuals, members of their gen, uh, genera, infinitely until no end point. The entity of the individual circle points to the situation called variety, and it is the union, A-U-B, of the set A of the genus and the act and the set B of the individual. The center point is the motive for the existence of the circumference, and the circumference is the motive for the arrival of the knowledge of the center point. So the circumference is true creation. The center point is true creation. These two properties flow throughout each circle emerging from the first circle. And then, when the circles emerge, on and on to the ultima, who, and they don't stop emerging, the first circle from which these newly arising circles emerge starts to become hidden, concealed, 
not recognized and not perceived because each circle coming nearer or going off is upon her form. So about each circle you may say, I see her, I don't see her. This is the union. It's the unseen. Pardon me, this is the unseen in the scene. Okay. Thank you. And this is, uh, I, I have a, a, a dars each month and I have people read and then I can catch my errors here. So thanks. <laughs> um, yes. But this is, this is uh, so each circle is going out. Now, when you have a center point and a circumference and a line between them, you can either know the center point by the circumference or you can know the circumference by the center point. And so it's huck and huck. It's true and creation. And uh, it doesn't matter which one you look at, it shows the other one. And so, and so you know the one by the other. However, these that's one circle the the next moment is another circle and the next moment is another circle no circles after circles after circle to no end and so you no longer begin to see the first circle and so the first circle becomes unseen and hidden and i am a treasure that is concealed but i long to be and i love to be recognized so these can the 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 actual the actual process of creation and being in a creating environment uh, creates invisibility and hiddenness, and the treasure troves become unseen. And we saw earlier that Abu Yazid was thrown into the treasure troves of the unseen, and he says, I, I don't like to be here, I, want, I can't stand it, and Allah says, bring back my beloved to me. Okay? So if you want to recognize the form of the configuration of the universe and its visible emergence, and the rapidity of the diffusion of the divine command, be kun fayakun, uh, throughout the universe and what the sights and the insights perceive of the universe of so sights insights uh, then look at what comes about in the air with the rapidity of the motion of the ember of fire in the hand of her mover when he rotates her now this is when you go to an orus when you go to a saint's um, uh, uh, festival in a tomb uh, they'll be at nighttime when the when the, of course there are no lights uh, now but in the nighttime someone will some busker will say you know we'll get a couple pennies for doing this thing where they'll take the, the stick with an ember on the end and they'll go like this and they'll make these beautiful designs and as they make these beautiful designs what's Ibn Abi is saying look carefully at what's going on here so the stick and the ember is actually invisible you never see the ember you never see the ember because it's moving too fast you see the picture you see the picture that's written and so what is real and what's not, what's seen, what's not seen. The ember is invisible. So every entity as it comes up, the entity itself is invisible. All that is seen is the light that the entity is part of in this motion of light. And so if you ask, so the issue here is it, it changes the way we look at things. It's not God that's unseen. It's we're unseen. We're the ones who are unseen. None, this entity that you see that's flashing in and out of existence every moment, it flashes once, flashes twice, flashes three times. If it flashes 15 frames per second, you think it's a movie. You don't see the individual frames. Mm -hmm. Well, this is flashing a lot more than 15 times a second. It's flashing so often that you think that this is a continuous being. It's not. It's a, I'm an entity, another T1, T2, T3, T4, T5. So I'm the one who's never seen. Now, where's the light coming from? The light is coming from the projection, projectionist, and the projector is making this light come out. And so the frames, I'm a frame, you're frames, we're going in and out of existence, all that's seen is the light. So the only thing that's seen is God, and the only thing that's unseen is us. 
So it's not that I, I want to see God. It's like you, you really want to try to see, can you see you? No. It's impossible. All that can be seen is God. And this is why the early Sufis would say, when they would see someone, they would see Ali, they would say, say, subhanallah. And everyone would say, oh, maybe Ali is God because they're saying glory to God when they see Ali. Well, it's because all you do see is God. So when you say, mm. you say that, and, um, and then this came up with, uh, um, you'll find this in, that so that that these these kinds of people with this realization see each other as speak to each other as God because that's all when I look at you all I can see is God because your entity is flashing in and out of existence I cannot see it the way I cannot see the frames of a film and so uh, but then when they were saying saying God to each other people said that sounds kind of strange so they changed it to dog and so that's where D O W G comes from is because you can't say dog you can't say God to each other so you say dog instead. And that's uh, because of the truth that this is only one thing we can see. So this is this is the frame. So the, none of these frames is visible. All that's seen is the movie. Okay. And if you want to go, and, and so that as a frame, as we are frames coming in and out of existence, rolling down, all that is seen is this picture of the movie. The movie is seen, and the movie is, in a sense, the projectionist projecting to see. To project so that you can see yourself. Is that perhaps one of the meanings of in Surah Al-Baqarah, everywhere you turn, there is the face of God? Right, because the face of a thing is the one thing that now, now Ibn Abi says you can call this the face of God or the face of the entity itself. It's still the one thing that doesn't disappear. The only thing that doesn't disappear is the face of who. So whatever whatever entity comes up, its facet which is who, that will never. It cannot be halak, cannot be destroyed, and it will always be there. And so, the the entities themselves are coming in and out of existence, but the the face of it is the one that doesn't go out of existence. And the face then is the face of who? The face of Allah. Um, and if you wanted, if you wanted to do, uh, so I had that on. on we, we can do that with celluloid films. You can also do this with uh, digital films. So digital films are, of course, binary codes, and binary codes are uh, zero, one. So when I was in Indonesia, I was talking about all this, we're doing in digital stuff and all that, and someone said, you know, who is one and la, who is zero? I said, oh, okay, now we go, it's binary, who, la, who? Because if I will tell you, everything is who, la, who. Everything is and isn't. It is who and it isn't who. And so, uh, so, and that every time something happens, we get another circle, right? And then another circle, another circle. Well, the next circle is either like the previous one or unlike the previous one. So it's either zero or one. It's either who or lahu. And then the next one is either who or lahu, zero or one. And the next one is either zero or one. So everything that's going can be coded then as a binary that all of these entities that we are are actually one entity, which is modulating in a binary uh, situation where it's everything that happens is this is going to be zero one zero one 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 zero 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 one one zero one zero one zero and that is the reality that then we experience. Okay. Okay. And this was something that was looked at with the idea of points, of frontalisme. The idea of points is that that the, the the artist is telling you, I can make you look think look at something and say that's real, and it's only a bunch of dots. And so, and so, so what that's telling us is that through dots, uh, we can that we we are constructing reality based on these points, and these points are 
can be digitally reduced and sampled until you get to something like that. Um, so I do that sometimes. That I mean, this guy is so. Uh, what is what is this? I mean, it's like a turban and a who knows what. So so I, I do. You know, Sunday starts out with with just a few dots here and there, and then Monday in creation, the week of creation, things get a little bit more filled in. Uh, then Thursday comes about, and the human beings are put in there. And then Friday is the is the culmination. Saturday is the day of rest, and then Sunday the week of creation starts all over again. So. The, the, so the cosmos is being populated by points uh, at every 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 new creation, every Chalk al-Jadid, every new creation, the cosmos is being populated by points. These points are populated by Kula Yomahu Fishan. Every day he is upon some radiance. So the radiance is populating this entity, this entity, this entity. So the number of and it's every day. So Yom is a, is a time period. The largest time period is 50,000 years or more. The smallest time point is the Zaman Fard, the quantum time, the smallest indivisible uh, unit of time. And so that smallest unit, unit, unit of time, in that smallest unit of time, every individual entity is being given a tajali, a light, a radiance. And that's so each one is given a point with a color on it, with a modulation on it. And then that is built up until you have the entire cosmos, and then it's all gone, and then each entity is built back up into time two, and then it's all gone, and then each entity is built up until time three, and it's all gone. And it's so interesting to start with, you, know, you go from Newton's idea of inertia, that you know the god is this old guy with a beard making a clock and winding it up, and it's winding down, and we've got to take care of this universe because it's winding down, versus you know every femtosecond, every Planck second, the creation is being created again. So this is not a very distant divine figure going on right now. Um, okay. And so uh, now this, now moving into, now how do, what are, what are the physics of this kind of, this, this new sort of area here? Well, the physics, uh, very briefly, there's a guy uh, in Cambridge who, who most closely talks about what Ibn Arabi talks about. And he says that things are, Predictable with uh, can't be are not predictable, but they are patterned. And Ibn Arabi is saying that everything that happens is like or unlike, and so there's a pattern to everything, but there's no prediction of anything. And so uh, what they've done, some of the physicists have done to try to explain that we typically believe in classical physics that everything is differential. If you take two uh, a position, this ball is here and it hits this ball and then it hits that ball, that from based on that, I can predict where it will be next by doing differential equations and finding out what are the differences between these two positions and I'll tell you what the next position will be. And uh, that turns out to be absolutely impossible and that quantum mechanics tells us that's impossible. And what we have instead is a, a phase space which is a fractal dimension, therefore is that being next to something doesn't tell you that it's going to be important. So we think that when something is big and strong, it's important. And when we think something is close to us, it's very important. Things that are distant don't have any effect on us, and things that are little and weak don't have any effect on us. And it's actually quite different because once you start this, this, this phase space of a fractal dimension, you begin to get this cascading elements are coming down and then you realize that element 128 is actually very very influential to element 3 and that element 10,500 is very is very influential to element 6 even though they're very very far apart 
So this is where uh, the Lorentz attractor comes. This is where the idea of the butterfly effect comes. So remember that hurricane a thousand miles away? That was me. So, <laughs> so it, it is true, physically true, that when the, when the butterfly did that in the Amazon, that a storm took place last week. And it is absolutely true because the connection of that thing, it connected to, I don't know how many, you know, huge number of connections, but all of those connections are there. And if that connection were different, there would be another result. Mm -hmm. So all of these connections are important. It's all interconnected. What David Bohm was saying, it's all implicate and interconnected. And therefore, things that you think are weak or small actually may have the most effect mm -hmm. on the outcomes. And things that are far, far away may have, have the most effect on something locally as well. So it's actually quite encouraging that, uh, that it changes the way we look. We think what, what makes a difference in life, it's not what you think. It's the opposite of what we're trained to think. Okay. And I think just quickly, so I said that the, the, all, all of the entire universe is, is going towards a final destination of kindness and goodness. This is Ibn Arabi's uh, concept that... Uh, that in the fire, there are people who are made for the garden and people who are made for the fire. And the people who are made for the fire, once the last people who are taken out who are not part of the fire, those are people who have done the great offenses, they are pulled out, and all that's left are her people, the people of Jahannam, then their azab turns izab. Their punishment and torment turns to sweetness and sweet water. So this is istiazab. It's the, the Arabic itself tells us that torment is is turned into sweet water and so when the last person is removed from Jahannam who does is not one of her people the ones who are there will experience a sweet water and a sweetness yeah. and that's why there is a there's a the, the Quran talks about a particular a moment when the people on both both abodes look at each other and the people on the boat of the garden say, thank God we're not there. And the people on the boat of the fire say, thank God we're not there. Because they would have suffering if they were there. It would not be good for them. Their constitutions are not made for that. And so that's how Ibn Arabi says, Ar-Rahman, what mercy and goodness and truth and, and, and kindness is, is that there is, is based on a single entity, a single entity which has multiple effects. So kindness is the same. The kindness for someone who is hot-blooded and doesn't like the sun, their kindness is to be cold. The person who is cold and wants the sun, their kindness is to be warm. The sun is the same, but the, how it affects the constitution is what's important. So Rahman is the same single entity for people in the garden that is experienced as good, and for the people in the fire, it's experienced as good because it's, they have different configurations. So the same entity creates opposite uh, events. Okay. Uh, you can see I have to rush here. So I'll just say that there's this, there's this one passage that this is one I took right before I, I dropped everything and started translating about four and a half years ago. Uh, this thing about there's the angels meeting and the angels are coming at you. There's three different ways. They're inverse, converse, and, and reverse. You're, what the heck is going on here? I mean, I stood, stood this for many, many times, a long, long time before. And I said, oh, we're talking about how these uh, waves hit these different nodes. So when when you're awake, uh, when you're awake, the 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 angel will come to you with a with a tajelli, and you're awake, and it will go, and the angel will go back the same way that the angel came. But when you are asleep and not receptive, the angel will come at you, and then you will not receive it, and the angel will go back reversed or converse to the way he came in. 
And so this is the sort of the interaction of the universe. And then he'll say later on, uh, the move, I will bring the discussion of her in the interior of the book, the Harakat, God willing, and why she is confined to three, inverse, horizontal, converse. And these are telling points quite hidden and wondrous. They're still quite <laughs> hidden, so we'll get to this next time. <laughs> next, okay. Okay, and then he describes, see, the, the beauty of Ibn Arabi, I said about transparency, is that he'll, he'll explain his mistakes, he'll explain when he was, you know, he was caught off and he did something stupid, he'll explain all of this to us, and it's wonderful. And he explains his vision without using any contemporary uh, language. He describes it as basically and as clearly as he can. So he says, he said there's a center point, it goes off to the circumference, and then another one goes off to another point in the circumference. And that makes a pie shape, right? This pie shape. And he says, and yet the line from the circumference to the center point is parallel to the next one that's to the center, to the center point to the circumference. So he's talking about a parallel lines going from a center point to other places on the circumference. And you're saying, of course, this is absolutely impossible, three-dimensional, but it is possible in four dimensions and a Clifford torus. Mm -hmm. And so those lines go pizza shape and then they go parallel. And then you realize, aha, it is possible in another dimension to see lines that look like a pizza shape here actually being parallel as they go. Mm -hmm. And his dimensionality is, he said, look at the dot. Uh, when you put them one after the other, you get the line. And then the line, one after the other, you get the, uh, the square or the rectangle. And then the th three dimensions, you put them all together, you get this three-dimensional thing here. And then the next one is eight. And here are the eight dimensions, a cell that would have eight different places. It has the seven uh, sifat of Allah, and it has one more, which is the that, the who. So the who has eight dimensionalities closest to her. And those dimensionalities are living, speaking, hearing, wanting, powering, measuring. Hmm. However many that was. <laughs> okay, next. Okay. Um, and so we talked about when you come down through the cosmos into the womb. And this is a this is a part. Suddenly, you know, of course, with all you know, when you get the religious people and Sufis, you're always hearing about the other world and all that. There's this one impassioned passage in Ibn Arabi's Futuhat where he talks about this world and how beautiful she is. And she, and this is and this the whole passage is like an in honor of her. So someone needs to read this. Who's got that? From the top, 23, page 22, 22. Love God because of what he nourishes you with of his blessing. 23 or 22? 22. That's correct, yeah. How strange we are. We haven't stopped to attend to what God commanded, to obey him and honour our parents, and we haven't been harmonious with, nor have we given fully to what we saw of the virtues of this mother and her affection toward us, and her love, when the prophet said, this world is a vehicle blessing the faithful. On her they reach the fullness of good, and by her they escape from bad. He described her as part of her vigilance over her children, as reminding them about the bad things and helping them to escape them, and making the good seem more beautiful to them, and making them passionate for good. Thus she takes them on a journey, and she carries them from a place of badness to a place of good, 
and that is due to the intensity of her watchful overseeing what God sent down to her of divine commands called laws. She loves that her children establishes the laws so they may be felicitous. This one had described her with the finest of qualities, and he deemed her to be a place for the good things. Thus, for the people of watchful awareness, it is appropriate that their commencement in the entrance to this world through the womb of their mother should focus on acquiring these qualities, that they will be aware and watchful of the states of their mother. Indeed, when infants open their eyes, it is only to their mother, and they see only her, thus they love her instinctively, and they lean to her more affectionately than they lean toward their father, because they are aware only of the one who cherishes them, and it is appropriate then that they emulate her behaviours. Yeah, this passage, uh, he's talking about the darar. In Arabic, the second wife is called the harm, harming wife, the harming one. And Ibn Abi says, so what happens is that the harming wife, the second wife, comes into the children's life and says, and she's the other world, the next world. Look at what I've got in the next world for you. Such things that you could eat and it would be so delicious. Look at the garden that I've made for you in the other world. Come to me. And she tries to get their affection. And then the first wife, the mother of this earth, says, you know, she's, my children are trying to go away from me, and that bothers her tremendously. And then there's in the 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 earth there's a, there's a situation where in a hadith where the children are saying you know they're cursing the earth, they're cursing their mother. And then in the hadith, when the mother answers back, she says, you know, the, she can't even name her children. So he said, these children, look how horrible they are. They are cursing their mother with her name, and when she tells them, she says, may anyone who would do such a thing, you know, has to do elliptically and indirectly, because she can't even name her children, she's too much loving of them. Mm -hmm. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, <coughs> put together, and this, and this is, so that the Arif, the person who recognizes God, they, they, from the birth onwards, they emulate the one that gives them love, or the one who gives them love. And so this is what this is for Ibn Arabi called nature-based love, and it's when love God because of what He nourishes you with of His blessing. So because of a good act, because of love, you return love. That's called reciprocated love or, or requited love. And so that's nature-based love. So the more they love you, you love them, and it goes back and forth. The other kind of love is called spirit-based love, and that's the love that takes place before the other party is there. Um, and that is God will bring a people. He loves them and they love him. So God loves these people first until they then love him. And so uh, we now call this unrequited or unconditional love because <coughs> it's love that doesn't have any relationship to what's happening uh, from the other party. It's, uh, and so it's called spirit-based love. And the reason that you love everything that you love is non-existent is because of this verse here and this verse says your lord has decided that you do worship none but him now all the commentators of this verse say there are two ways to read it the lord has commanded that you worship none but him or the lord has decided that you worship none but him 
And what a world of difference. The one says, you should just worship God. And the other says, you do just worship God. Mm -hmm. World of difference. And so once you, so this is the this scene behind here is, of course, the golden calf. And so the, uh, the Quran, the Quranic approach to idol, idolatry is to say, name them. Uh, and what happens when you tell the, someone you think is an idolater, you say, name them, and then they name who they are worshiping. No one ever says, I'm worshiping calcium carbonate. They never say, I'm worshiping stones, I'm worshiping wood. They say, I'm worshiping God. And so because of that, that's why everything we think we love is actually passing over to be at, to be God. So everything we worship, we say, I worship this golden calf, I worship money, I worship fame. But actually that worship goes to God because God has decided that we do worship none but him. And everyone I love, I think I love my mother, I think I love my wife, I love this person, this person, I love money, I love fame. We think that's what we love, but what we love is the where the final place where it goes. And so all love goes to the divine, all worship goes to the divine, and that's why we can never say, I've had enough. So Abu Yazid says, the person who truly loves could drink an ocean of water and say, I am as thirsty as I've ever been. And that's because it is never quenched and never satiated. Because we will never... And so we love what is always not there. And so the who is what is seen and unseen at the same time. So to recognize that is to is to fulfill the mission of the cosmos, to recognize who we are worshiping and loving. So uh, Ibn Arabi had his experience with, uh, he went to Greece, uh, or, he saw, or he saw some Yunanis, he saw some Greeks, and he said, and, and like any good Muslim, he said, you don't worship God who is one God, you're worshiping the sun, and don't you know that there's one God to worship? And of course, that's, that's the correct Muslim response. And then the guy said, well, and he was one of their ulama, he says, one of their scholarly people. He said, well, we know that God is one, and the the greatest gift that this one has given us is the sun, which gives us our food and all of these things. And so we honor the sun above all things. And Ibn Arabi, said, Ibn Arabi says, and I, I, was, I accept his answer and I ate with him. <laughs> so <laughs> so there, there you go. And so what this is saying in, the, in terms of love is that uh, Ibn Arabi, is, he said, you, so you love Zainab. You never say to Zainab, you know, I love I really love God, not you. I mean, that's not very nice to Zainab. And you never say, I love Zainab, and I love Inanna, and I love Nizama. No, you, and so Ibn Rabi says, you only love one. And so any of your poets, so he takes this one Andalusian, uh, someone from Valencia, who wrote this great poem of love from Valencia. And he just, he says, uh, one of, one of the, I would not have mentioned this poem except one of the, the people, my friends, asked me about this poem. So I will tell you. It's a horrible poem because uh, because it doesn't understand that there's you only love one. There's only one that you love, um, and so and so and so you only love one. And that's that kind of tells you. So you can say your love of this is like my love of that, but you can never say I I don't love. You can't love other people's gods or other people's objects of love. You love your object of of, of love. And so to, to the more you love that object of love, that is what you love because that's going to God. You can, you can have experience. You can say in, outside of the throes of passion, you can say, I understand that what I am feeling is what you are feeling. But you cannot love someone else's object of love. You only have yours. So this is the, where you get the tawhid, the oneness, and also the multiplicity as well. Okay.
Okay, I'll just quickly go. We'll skip right over to here. This is some kind of, uh, I mean, Ibn Arabi had this other passage. I stood, stood with this for a while. He says, inside of everyone, there are uh, these beings which are nigh invisible, almost invisible beings. And they have a sacred trust, an amana, a sacred trust to you that when you bring something into your mouth, it, they will either vomit, burp, or give gas. Or if it's good, they will take it and you will uh, urinate or have feces. And that is their sacred trust to you. And there are the, they are the ones that determine your physical health, your spiritual health, and your relation to haq. And so around that time, I started reading that about 2010 was when all these things first started coming about gut bacteria and flora. And they said it determines your physical health and even now your mental health as well. Um, and of course, they don't talk about spiritual health, but for Ibn Abi, that was the third. That it determines your spiritual health. And that is how you treat the the bacteria inside of you, how you treat those that have amana to you. Now, the way that Ibn Arabi handles all of these things is that um, that in, in Islam, the, the neighbor is very, very important. And in fact, uh, one of the companions said, I heard the companions talking so much about the neighbor, I thought the Quran is going to come down and say the, the neighbor is going to inherit. And so, <laughs> and so the first neighbor you have are your gut bacteria, the second neighbor are the people next to you, and then the beings next to you, the animals, and the, and it keeps going on and on and on. So uh, you, the first thing that, the first neighbor that we take care of is the one that is closest to us, and, and one of the physically closest neighbors that we have are these gut bacteria. So uh, our response, they, they are, you know, they're doing their sacred trust to us, and then we kill them with antibiotics, and we do all sorts of things to try to stop them. Uh, when what we need to be doing is acknowledge them, acknowledge that we are supra-organisms, we are not a single being, we are a group of beings around us, and then as we saw with the other one, the flap of the butterfly in the Amazon may have as much effect of us as someone next to me. So there we have to see all of this thing together. And so the reason that death is difficult is because the spirits love the bodies that they are in. And so to take the spirit out of the body is very, very hard. And that's why on deathbed, uh, you want the person, the person wants to be as weaker and weaker and weaker so that the spirit can be released easier from the mm -hmm. body, which is trying to say, because the spirit is saying, I like being in this body. And so the person who loves Salma said, I pass by the houses, the house of Salma, I kiss this wall on that one. It's not love of houses that I've made, made off with my heart. It is love for the one who lives in that house. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy for us also as one of the veils to confuse the, the body with ourselves. Um, the body is, is a, a vehicle. The spirits <coughs> love to be in this body. They would not have taken this if they did not want to be in this body. And so when they're in this body, they're, they're enjoying it and they don't want to be taken out of it. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll just go quickly into this. I think time is keep it on. We actually have ten minutes. Good. Good. Uh, let me go straight to here. Um, see if I can. Exp so Ibn Arabi speaks at least in three different layers every time he says one sentence. So everything has got three layers going on, and one of these layers is is in the analysis of kun, and kun is b. B and it is kun fayyakun, and kun is made up of a kaf. A wav and a nun. Now the imperative, when you have an imperative, the middle vowel is shortened, and so the middle vowel is not seen. So he says, when the kaf and the nun are the are the parents, and when they come together, and the word for coming together and uh, multiplying and all of these things are the same, 
when they come together, something is hidden. And hidden is seer, and seer is nikah, and nikah is marriage or sex. So when the two come together, the, the, there is a hidden there's a hidden thing, and that because it's hidden, it is now able to do what it's supposed to do. The two move, which means they have harakat, and harakat is movement and vowel. So vowel is a harakat, and sukun is a is a rest stop. So when the two are harakat moving, they move. The wav is hidden, and then when they are still, when they are still, what is the result? When the kaf is still. The wav reemerges, the nun is still, and you go from kun b to kaum. It is yes. okay, and uh, so this is why eventually when you start reading Ibn Arabi, you start blushing because this is it gets pretty wild because the the wav is an illat letter. An illat letter is one that has two different forms. It's a weak letter because it can't keep its same form the whole time. It has one form when it is doing one thing, and then when it is finished doing that thing, it has another form. And the form that it has afterwards is weak. And it is after having an ispa al-dhamma. An ispa is when you embrace something and you get full. So when it embraces, it gets full. And then after it gets full, it has its death. And then after it has its death, what it was supposed to do is, has been done. So the the kun is grammatically, he describes it grammatically about how the, the wav has to be hidden, it has to be an illet letter, how the kaf has to join to the nun, and how they, when they are still, they make a new word called kaun, the existence, or it is. And then he explains it biologically, say when the woman and the man, and he goes into all of that, and then he explains it uh, uh, spiritually as well, that all creation is created from two things that create the third. Okay? And the pen, okay, this is so interesting. I mean, I, I try, I'm, I'm thinking about making this, doing a, putting the two letters a little bit closer together. <laughs> Nothing of the pen niece is visible to the eye. <laughs> the pen's throwing this, and, and the throwing is ilka. So ilka is throwing, casting, and dictating. So remember we said that the pen, the pen listens and gets dictated to, and it writes on the tablet. So the dictation is what Ibn Arabi does in the futon. He's dictating. And he is also what is done on the tablet, which is receptive to the pen, and then the dictation then creates some meaning. Uh, then there is the throwing of the pen of the kalam, of the sperm drop into the womb. And it is hidden because it's secret, and the word secret in Arabic is the same word for marriage or sex. Hmm. And do not promise them sirah. And that way after the throwing, when the throwing is done, the two rest and become sword, or becomes the rest stop from movement, the harakat, and corresponding from vocalization. So now they're no longer vocalized, they're no longer moving. And then the pen hides just as the third letter hides, which is the wav amidst kun in regards to the two swords. And then you get the, the, the plenishment, and after the plenishment, you get kaun. This is things are. Okay. So as he's looking at that, you're, you're reading all three of these levels at once, and it's just absolutely amazing how every time you get into these strange passages, 
that they're entirely consistent at every level that they're working on. You say, how does, how does this happen? And then you start reading the grammars of the 18th century. So you got the 19th century grammars like Wright's grammar. I'm reading Wright's grammar, and he's talking about, and the plenishment of the pleonasma of the love. And I thought, oh my God, this guy's talking about enlarged organs. I mean, what is he doing? And, and, and he's, he just thinks it's grammar, but it's not just grammar we're talking about here. So it gets, it gets pretty wild. Okay. May I ask, yeah. uh, after the tablet's passive reception of the ink, what is the tablet's uh, active production? Well, the, 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 the production is that without, without the tablet, uh, the, when you have etching, you have two dimensions. You have, the etching is you have, you have a letter down here and a letter up here. So the same way, so in etching, so really the, when the Quran talks about the, world, the universe being an etched one, etching because it's two-dimensional, that is that the, 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 the womb holds the memory, and then there is the output as well. And so, but both of those uh, are, are coexisting. So the memory, and so the, you know, the, the memory of, of what was produced and the production itself, both of them are coexist in the universe. So it depends on which way you're looking at them to see uh, what level you're looking at, like what genetic level you're looking at, epigenetic or genetic level you're looking at, so that everything that is etched has has hovering above it its meaning or its epigenetics, its its uh, above genetics, and so you know that so nature nurture, and so you have all this two dimensional thing going on. So it depends on which level you're looking at to see how they're working, and the the other imagery that that comes up is that you might. That it's in the love poetry of Ibn Arabi that uh, it's okay for if there are men present, he can't speak about women uh, if there are men present. So he'll, he speaks man to man. So he has these very, you know, seemingly very homosexual things when, when Khalid is kissing Amr and Amr doesn't know if his breath is Khalid's breath. And you think, but he, I mean, it's because he can't, he can't say a woman's name in that, in that situation. Um, so when he's doing this, um, when, he, when he's doing this, this, this entire poetry, you're getting this, this, one of the poetries he does is that that the that the man that, is, that there's nothing there's nothing more pitiful than the man who can't find the tablet to write on, and so you have to, and so you have this situation. See, remember we said the nun wal kalam. The nun is timeless, so you know so the the, the womb is saying I'm t is is timeless, and the kalam is this is the, is the pen is not is is out, is in time, and so he said there's nothing more pitiful than the kalam not finding the tablet to to write on. And so, it, so a lot of this love poetry becomes this this yearning of the pen for the tablet. And so you get this this, really, this huge tension because the tablet doesn't have the same yearning for the the pen that the pen has for the for the for the tablet. And so he said this is also based on Adam and Eve. So it goes back to Adam and Eve. So that that so for for Adam, he's looking for what uh, makes him whole, but the Eve is already whole. And so for her, it's a return to a home. But it's not a return to essence, and so. But for the for the male, it's the return to essence, and so that he said this this explains the different uh, love poetries of male and female love poetries. So he doesn't do that a lot. Who's got twenty eight? Twenty eight here. All right, here we go. You can read it. Whoever wants to recognize the truth of what I am gesturing gesturing at for this issue, let them consider the shadow play and its image form, and who is the narrator for these images, for these image forms, before the little children, 
who was sitting away from the covering curtain drawn down between them and the players moving these forms and the narrator speaking about them. The matter is just that way with the image forms of the world. The people, most of them, are these little ones to whom we assign obligations so they would recognize and become familiar with where these images are coming to them from, where these images are coming to them from. Thus the little ones and that city are delighted with and enjoying the play while the mindless adults are taking it as a mere play and amusement. While the ones who know are crossing the play over allegorically and are aware that God raised this only as an allegory. That's why there comes out in the first act a person called the Describer, and he gives a sermon glorifying, glorifying God and declaring him majestic. <coughs> then he speaks about the characters, one after the other, who are the image forms which will emerge after him from behind this curtain. Then the group is given to learn that God raised this as a parable for his creatures. So they would cross over allegorically, and they would learn that the manner of the world with God is like these image forms, with their being moved and stirred, and that this curtain is a veil of the secret of destiny, which operates throughout the creations, and despite this, all of it, they are taking it, the mindless ones, as mere play and amusement. And it is his exalted world. The ones who take their religion as mere play and amusement. Then the describer disappears. He takes the place of the first created being among us, and that is Adam, the Hindu peace. And when he disappears, his disappearance hidden from us is to his cherisher, behind a curtain of his unseen. And God speaks the truth and is the guide along the way. So that, uh, that, it's so wonderful because that verse, when you hear that sort of stern Muslims telling us that oh, that's just mere play and amusement, and Ibrahim says that this play is our deen, is our religion, it's, and you're treating it as mere play and amusement. Um, and then the box that the puppet comes from is the womb, the box that the, cup, uh, the puppet goes back to is the grave. So that cycle is there. So it goes from the womb 
to the play and then back into the to the grave. And so that cycle is this world. It's our allegory. It's the movie, the, the life as a movie. And it's also, of course, in Valencia, which is another you know, a stomping ground of Ibn Arabi, this one not too many decades later, uh, the Mysterio. So the idea of the mystery plays. The mystery plays um, is that by, by, by roving uh, bands of, of, of musicians and puppeteers and all that, they would put on these mystery, mystery plays and they would tell us the, the Mysterio. And so uh, this, is, this is the religion. It is the training that tells us that this is how the world works that uh, we are a shadow of a, of a higher dimensional being that we are in another world. Uh, our acts that we do now come in and out of existence, but they remain in the other world forever. And so therefore, make we want to build our other world life by uh, a, a life of goodness in this world. Um, think people come and go. They come onto the stage. They leave the stage and all of that. Um, now, the only beings that don't know this are the human beings and the jinn, the weighty ones. And the two weighty ones, the humans and the jinn, uh, they, are, they are forgetful and they are unmindful. And so uh, we can work on becoming more mindful uh, and we can work on becoming more forgetful. Some things are, one of them sometimes is easier than the other. But the other, the other beings of the creation are fully aware of where where they are and what is what is the meaning of life? Uh, it's only us who are not. So in this one here, who has who's got this one? Twenty nine. Okay. Dimensions where you learn. It's only that God takes his life and some of his creatures away from perceiving this life flowing throughout. And this articulation and this perception flowing throughout all of the sights of beings, just as God takes away the sights of people, of intellects and thinking, from the perception of what we are discussing, which is in all of the sights of being, and in all of the, and, and in all of the enabled being. The people of Kassa mm -hmm. and faith are upon a knowing of what the matter truly is concerning these entities, both during their state in the empty void and where they are found with being. Then whoever displays his life, he is called alive. And whoever hides his life and doesn't play and doesn't display her to every eye, he is called a plant and a mineral, inanimate. The situation is divisible according to the veil over people. But with the people of the Kassa and the faith, it is not divided. Okay, so the people of, of Kash and faith know that all beings are alive and that, and that everyone else is saying that only these are alive and these are inanimate or not alive. Okay. Can you keep going? Whoever knows that everything is articulate, observant towards his cherisher, knows that life is inseparably adhered to everything, up to even us, your soul and your limbs, saying God is everything. 
Today their tongues will testify against them, and their hands and their legs about what they are doing. But he exalted, said, The day we shall seal up their mouth and their hands will speak to us, and their legs as to what they are meriting. And he exalted, reporting about some of the people in the court, testimony against them. And they were saying to their skins, Why are you testifying against us? They replied, God has made us articulate. That is, articulate the testimony against you, and the one who made everything articulate. So friend, don't let skin be more intelligent than you are about matter. <laughs> if you claim that you are one of the people of intellect endowed with mental perception. Mm. Here the skin has understood the articulation of everything, and that God is the giver of articulation to whomever he wants to. Mm. Now, mm. One of the passages in Bible so it has a, has a is talking to one of the people who are endowed with mental perception and says, uh, you, know, you, you look at the spider, you look at the ant, uh, you look at an animal taking, ha they only eat half of what they store, uh, uh, knowing that the day may come when there's a drought and they will have less food available. And, and he says, you, if you call that instinct, what's, what's the difference between that kind of intelligence and the intelligence you claim to have? And so, of course, it's just, uh, so all life is intelligent it, it, and and just the idea of, if, and just to look at only one piece of intelligence, being able to store something and knowing that in the future there may be a drought, I need to store it and only eat half of this. I mean, this this is, how many of us store half of what we have and don't eat the whole thing right when we get it? Uh, it just, I mean, the intelligence is, is incredible. And so, of course, when Ibn Abi says, don't let skin be more intelligent you, he's kind of saying, well, skin is more intelligent than you, but at least get close to that intelligence. <laughs> and so, and just uh, the poetry, I've, it's, I've just, in, I enjoy the poetry now. I used to really dread it, but I really enjoy it now. But it's still, I'm not sure how to put it into English. And the heart bulbs see what the eyeballs don't, because he has a strange word for a heart bulb. You never, you know, just a pericardium. So the heart bulb is seeing what the eyeballs don't. So I don't know how to, what to do in English, but it's a beautiful poem. Um, and I, I think I think it has to be really the Arabic has to be very close to it because uh, makes it might makes more sense in Arabic, but uh, we'll, we'll get there. So if if we could see these things, then there would be no sects and no sectarianisms, and we would not have that. We would have we would not have anything in the fold of sickness appear as a, something of desire. Okay. Yeah, and this is one uh, that they, that one of the there's even I'd be all. And many times he quotes the whole list of all of the the, the ways that, that animals and pebbles and things uh, speak and celebrate God. And uh, he brings that out to say that you either get that through kash, that means you can see it yourself, or you get it through faith. That is that you believe that the prophet said that the stones speak. And then so you, you know stones speak either through kash, direct vision, or through faith, knowing that this is something that the person that you trust has told you what happens. And one of them, so that, uh, that Uhud, the mountain, this mountain loves me and I love him. And I know a stone in Mecca who accepted my mission before I was sent. And the pebbles in the hand celebrating God. And then the, tr the tree stump, the, in the Hadith, it's described that there, 
that the prophet used to sit on, stand on the tree stump to get the chutbah. And then one one the day when they made a minbar in the in the mosque, he would go in there, and they said, and we heard the tree stump. It sounded like a, a, a camel in the throes mm. of childbirth, of mm. birth. Mm. And so he went out to the tree and patted the tree until he became you know, relaxed and calmed down and then went back and finished the chutzpah. Um, so I thought about that as this, I mean, this, this is an interesting tree that uh, uh, we, we don't have any, we don't have any heat except from uh, firewood. And, uh, and so I, I go through the, the forest and there's some of these beautiful old trees and, and when they're ready, they, they, they say, can you heat us up for the winter? And this is one of the biggest one I've ever worked with. And uh, so I, I, I put this this uh, cut in there, and then uh, I went after that. I went to New York to the Darga in uh, to see Sheikh Afaria, and on the way back I saw some old friends from Geneva. And you know, it's, a, it's such an event. And I came back about Tuesday, and I was walking towards this area, and I said, "Well, I wonder, uh, you know, did the tree fall or not?" And as I'm walking, I was like, "Crick, crick, 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 it fell right then." Mm. Three days mm. later, wow. when I'm walking there, the street says, "Okay, I'm going to show you my fall. <laughs> Amazing fall." And of course, it, it stopped up in Arroyos, and we've had all these rains, so we got a little bit of wetness going on here. There's all sorts of things going on. It's beautiful. But if you might, I don't know if you can see this, but it was cut to go this way, and it went absolutely the other way. So, yeah. so uh, and uh, so I, I've learned that I'll let the tree decide when, when it's time to go, because uh, if I were to get in there, uh, that would be highly dangerous. So the tree decided it was time to go when I was, I was so pleased by that. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and that one. So we have the. I mean, it's just this huge space. And so I, I, I cut them about that deep, and then my dad's got. You know, he, he used them for months. I use them for months. It's really wonderful. Uh, this one here, I just, I think, um, you probably don't. I don't know what a time is, but this, this holding the curtain thing, and this is, you know me, Habibi, Habibi, you know me. The body and spirit have withered away. So it was those two who told my secret. But my darling, I hid my love until my chest hurt. Mm -hmm. And this is the one that said that when you love, you you. That your secret that see the when you always hide the beloved and so so she, she said to the beloved i didn't tell our secret i didn't tell my secret i didn't tell my love of you but my body withered away and that's the, this is the one that told my secret it's them my body and spirit withered away so and but yes yeah, so if someone's got that we could we could read it maybe from here we still have, about 20, we still have 20 minutes okay good good so let's well let's you know well this let's read from here yeah just from there yeah, or for the poetry again, for this one, this one seems to work. You know me, Habibi. Habibi, you know me. The body and the spirits have withered away, so it was those two who told my secret. But my darling, I hid my love until my chest hurt. Dolomun said, I was distressed by what I heard, and I sobbed and wept. She then cried, Oh God, my master, my protector, by your love for me, but you ignored me. He said, that weighed on me. I asked, girl, isn't it enough for you to say, by my love for you, rather than you saying, by your love for me? She said, get out of here, Dolan. Don't you know that God has a people? He loves them before they love him. Haven't you heard God saying, perhaps God will bring a people. He will love them and they will love him. His love for them goes before their love for him. Then mm. I said, how did you know that I am Dulmun? She said, you're kidding me. The hearts roam the plaza with mysteries. So I recognize you. 
Then she said, look at who is behind you. Then I turned my face, and I couldn't tell whether the sky had fucked her up or the earth had swallowed her. <laughs> I'd say there is a Hadith approximating this one about the girl based on the state of Moses, peace on him, with his cherisher, look toward the mountain. God has many plazas, and plazas of love, all of them. Then he singles out for each a name based on epithets of love, such as the plaza mm. of passion and the plaza of yearning. Every state of love has a swirling and a moving, and it has a plaza. This is a universal matter. In the same way, the kinds of knowledge have presences and places to sit. They are not plazas, except if he has you witness Maritha of him dispersed throughout the entities of existence. If you see with your own eyes that he who is the visible entity, Ein, in the entities of existence through her names, then these are plazas of mysteries. And if you see his being with you as belonging to the existences by means of his names, then these are the plazas of lights. And if the matter is mixed for you, you will see a single matter and say, Hua, Hua, it is it. Then you will see another matter and you say, it is not it. And then you see another matter and you say, I can't tell if it is it or if it is not it. These are plazas of confusion. Every existing entity has a sign recognized by anyone going round about these plazas. Whoever has this sign is recognized by it in the seen world, in this dark skeletal form of nature, which is made luminous by Maritha. That is how they are called by their names. For instance, the girl had this state. Yeah, that's uh, one of the hadith that we we, I, we skipped over. Um, that the that the spirits, the arwah, the spirits are like a, a, a like like an army force, and the ones that were close to each other, when they see each other, they they are harmonious with them, and the ones that were far apart from each other, when they see each other, they disagree or they or they have difficulties, um, and so part of this is the the concept that that our first uh, our first place uh, in in is in in Adam as it, Sort of our first biological place is, is there are different closenesses, and so the, the Prophet said that he was made from the same clay as Abu Bakr. So Abu Bakr and he were claymates, and so they, they had the same clay. And so you'll find that your spirit will recognize another spirit, and that those those spirits were close together uh, in the beginning for a very long time, and then separated out and they come into the world, and so on. So those are. Um, those are these kind of concentric circles of, of soulmates, and if you look at it, uh, uh, the, the idea of concentric circles and proximities and all that in the in, in the Arabic <coughs> concept is, is one in a hundred. So the, of a hundred, there's one, and of those ones of a hundred of them, there's one, and so they go that to make more and more concentric circles. And if we look at it today, 
uh, you know, the of of all the people in the in the world, uh, then cut down one out of each hundred, and then take those ones and make up a hundred, and do that two more times, and you end up with uh, seven thousand people. And so, and then you go to uh, go below that, but seven thousand people are people in this concentric circle that were close to you. And so, uh, when you see those people, that you will recognize each other. And then from that 7,000, you get down to 70. And so those are 70, 70. <coughs> so when you get down to 70, 70 are those people who are so close to you that you will have this instant uh, mm. recognition of each other. And so this is part of what the signs are, that when you are in those plazas, um, there are signs that are, are put on you and, and put on others. And when you're out of these plazas, you'll see these signs and you'll see that person uh, in this world. Mm. So, okay. Okay, and so they mentioned the five uh, kayunat, the five places that, that, that Allah is, is where was our cherished before he created the creation? He was in the mist. So the mist is, a, is the first place, is a place. Um, and then Ar-Rahman settled on the throne. His throne is the second place. And who is with you wherever you are? Who is with you wherever you are? So that's a place as well. And then your cherisher descends each night to the sky of this world. That's a place. Who is God? He's the God in the heavens and the earth. Mm. So these are five places where the divine is. And so, and of course, Ibn Abi you know, uses this to, uh, to sort of challenge the, the, the people who, uh, the mutakalimun, the theologians, who, who can't accept how can God laugh? How can God say, I was hungry and you fed me not? I was... I was I was uh, thirsty and you didn't bring me water. So how can God have these kinds of attributes, which are the attributes of creation instead of attributes of God? And Ibn Arabi says it's the other way around. We have attributes of God. They are attributes of God, which we have secondarily. Um, and so, and then the other is this, because if the, how can the infinite be in a place? Well, here's the evidence that the, the infinite is in a place. And so there are places. <coughs> Um, and then finally, in the last of the six sections, um, the stations that you have to learn. And so these are the places that you have to go. For when I was in the, the, the Mias Latina, uh, the Ibn Arabi Society in Spain, we did some of these, the darajat of these different um, uh, muamala, these interactions like shukr or azam or, or different ones. And they, they go through this entire spiraling. Um, the, one of the numbers, so these are numbers that come out there and no one really understands where they are, what they're doing. Um, I've been able to look at one carefully, and that is the idea of 31. And that comes from uh, the, the idea that that the combinatory of, of five, so a five-dimensional object, comes up with 31. And so the Malamia and the Arafin are, have differences of 31 in their degrees. And what that is is that the, the Malamia, the people of blame or whatever, the Malamia are the people who don't, recognize themselves and no one recognizes who they are and so because they don't recognize themselves or, or they don't have five senses of information coming into them because they do not recognize their own senses their own self mm -hmm. and so five senses coming in that is they that, you know hearing seeing and so on so hearing and seeing hearing by itself seeing by itself touch by itself like that and then hearing and seeing seeing and touch touch and this and so you get this combinatorially, you get the 31, and then you say, okay, here's the 31 differences between the Malamia, who don't have a sense of their senses, and the Arafim, who can know things through their senses, as well as the degrees that they are learning as they uh, go through these stations.
So, okay. And we can maybe break here. And any kind of questions, please, comments? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my mom is 89 years old, and you know, she always tells me you don't understand. And I think about, you know, what you're saying, you know, like from birth to death. And I say, yes, I, I don't know what it's like to be 89 years old. But you know, you have the sense of, you know, your body is not, it's present. You know, this. Your inner spirit loves your body so much that it's not going to let, it's, it's very hard to let go. And maybe that's part of what I'm not understanding is how difficult that is. And, um, and it's like I wish that in some sense that I could communicate with her better too so that because she has so much anxiety about that as well. I don't know how to... Um, you know, it seems like we all go through multiple lifetimes within one life. Yeah. And, you know, it's like there's so many times, you know, it's like I can't understand the, the, the kind of accumulation of all the lifetimes is, I think, a part of the part of the issue as well. And how our lives kind of intersect, you know, as, as, as my mom, she's very special to me. And I was wondering if you had anything to say about that in terms of... I guess understanding or putting it in a perspective that I can kind of work with her or understand her being 89. Yeah. It's like more than, maybe she's like 100, 2,000 years old. You know, it's like I have no idea. But, you know, I think she's very wise for her age. Right, right. That's good. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that, that, when you say that, it's, it's so clear that, that that where you are is, is what you know. And so the, the, the maqamah idea in Arabic is that, that these are the musical notes, but also the places that you are. And, and each of them has a different perspective and each a different facet. And, and you know that's why life is complicated, but also why life is beautiful, is that everything is differentiating all the time. And so uh, and Ibn Arabi's main uh, sort of imagery for that or is tasting, is dalk. And so tasting is that, that because it... That when you receive something from tasting, you have you have a very particular kind of knowledge of it, which is quite different from reflection and other kinds of things. And so that's why he's uh, pretty harsh on the on people who say they're mentally endowed, you know, and intelligent people and all that. He's, he's harsh on that because um, because we always it's always very easy for the brain to say I know this, and we and we get very arrogant and confident that we know something, and then we think we can control it. So I mean that's what so much of science is is can I know something so I can control it and uh, make a better ATM experience or something like that with quantum computing. And so uh, that's a very different approach to saying, you know, can I look at something to learn from it and, and, and then stand where it is? And so this, uh, the idea of, of standing, I mean, Ibn Arabi, one of the reasons he's so universal is that he gives us a clarifying language, a, a language that helps us clarify things. So he's not going to say, I'm going to speak for somebody or someone else, and he's not speaking from his perspective either. He's speaking from a clarifying perspective that then you take with your own identities and say, with that, with that clarifying perspective, put that in my station, and what do I see with that, with that in my station? And that's why Ibn Arabi is, has been loved for 800 years. Uh, people know instinctively this is somewhere... Well, I'll get something that's very important and very and tastes beautiful, <laughs> and so, and so that because we don't we don't we don't know where someone's standing until we stand there. We don't have that makama until we get to there, and so, and uh, and having a 
it's like what see music is it's, 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 there's a great uh, music the musical note progression it won't let you uh, get ahead of it and won't let you encompass it because you can't you can't say you're look, you're, you're reading a, a score of music and there's there's a there's a D D flat up here and then a, and a B flat over here you can't say I know the D flat and the B flat you don't know it until you, the music gets there and even if you read music until it gets there and does what it does because of what came be, before and what comes after it. It, D flat doesn't mean just D flat. It's whatever, whatever it came to, and then it means something there. So the intellect says, "Look, I'm reading a music, and I know what D flat is because I had one back here." But it's not the same D flat as that one. Mm -hmm. And so music is a very powerful way of, of reminding us that we're in this flow. We can't step out of it and have an intellectual experience of it. We can only be in this flow and know what it means to us when we are there. And so, and so, Ibn Arabi will always say, "You're best off." You, you want to have more of the stations and less of the uh, experiences in the sense of the hal, because the hal are things that happen to you and then they're gone. But the, the station, you get there and then you sit there and it teaches you something that you can then hold on to. And so that's why he wants you to go through the maqamat. He wants you to see every note so that when the music starts playing, you know where you are. You can't predict where you're going next, but you know where you are. And that and that's that's the, the beauty of this, of this clarifying language is that uh, whenever when I look back to to my you know breakdowns and the most intense kinds of things that ever happened to me, the you always ask me why and that and the why was there. So this is the why. I mean it doesn't make it any easier, but at least you you want to know why. And so you know why is everything I love because it doesn't exist. Well, I mean it's 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 but it's nice to know that there's a reason for that and that how that works. But the experience of itself is its own, own experience. But the Muhammad says that it, in a sense that. It tells you that while you're in the throes of this, um, there is there is another there is something else that's going to come next, and and so that being able to, to see the the larger picture, uh, but to know that the music is going to take its course, I mean, that's that's in a sense the the beauty of, of the Futaha Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Starting off with your comment about flow, I read someplace that Ibn al-Arabi said that the secret of the universe can be found in the flow of water or something like that. And you said, you, you talked about the breath and that the breath gives rise to the mist. Is this because the breath, according to traditional ways of symbolism, is both hot and wet? Right, right. And so, so all, all of life is hot and wet. And so hot and wet is where you have to look. And so... Um, and it, it's really I've been I've been talking to someone who, who does you know, the, the TCM traditional Chinese medicine and they, they, they have they have deficit ex, excess and things like that. So hot the way that you re, remove hot is not necessarily through cold but through not hot. So deficit hot and so there, there's a, those are different cold and deficit hot are two different things. Hmm. And Ibn Arabi does work with all of the, these four um, to show that show that so that the hot vapor has to be preserved in, in human beings so that therefore these other kinds of things have to happen and then he ties it also into the way our intelligence is different from the jinn the the, the, the fire-based beings and so as dirt-based beings we are, we can be slower at, at, at receiving something and and because we're earth-based we're able to receive it and hold it slower and hold on to it longer than a fire base, which would just be off flying off like that. And so if you're Aries like me, you know, you're like fire, you're flying fire going through the crown, crown fire through the trees as fast as you can. Uh, and so that and so the earth, the human humanity in general is earth earth based. So therefore, we're slower at that and we're able to to receive and then process. 
whether, but the fire ones, they can't pay attention for very long and they're very scattered. And so, um, and so Ibn Abi has this, there's this one um, uh, story that's told, that, that uh, Hadith that's told, that when the Prophet was reciting that, so which of the favors of your Lord will you deny? The jinn, when they listened to that, they said, oh, there is no favor of the Lord that we would deny. And they kept repeating those things. And, and, and in the Hadith, it's clear that some people thought that that meant that the jinn were so great. And Ibn Arabi says, well, slow down. The reason that human beings didn't say anything like that is because they heard it and they were earth-based. We had to wait and listen to it until it came into us. And we didn't have time to write, repeat right away. We don't deny any of your, of your favors. So he said, actually, that shows the superiority of the human over the jinn because we took our time to process that verse. <laughs> We have not known thee as I should be known. There we go. There you go. Right, and that's and the idea of qadr and measure is that we we don't have that measure. And so and so Musa Islam was was told, um, you know, how can I thank you? And and then to to the measure that is rightful for you. And Ibn Abi says when he looks at that whole question, he looks at um, there was the first verse that came down was have taqwa have have mindfulness of me as much as you are able. And the companions were all thought this was a, this was a good verse because we're supposed to have as much as we're able. And then Ibn Abi says, actually, that was, a, that was the hardest verse because the next verse that came, next time it came down, it says, have taqwa of Allah, have mindfulness of Allah to his, to the measure of taqwa, to qatihi, to, to his, to the taqwa's own measure. And he said, this is an easier one because with the human being, whenever we do something to our utmost, there's always a little bit more in reserve that we could do a little more. So this is a very, very difficult verse to do something as much as you're able. But to do something as much as it requires, that's the easy part. And so the thankfulness, it also, Moses is told to thank God to the measure of thankfulness. And, God, and Moses said, how can I do all that? That's too much. And then God says to Moses, if you know that what comes to you a blessing is from me, then you have thanked me. And Moses said, that I can do. And so, so, this, so Ibn Abi says, so don't go to the verses that say, do as much as you're able. Go to the verses, do as much as it is required of that. That's the easy way. <laughs> and in a sense, that's his, his um, intensity and effort and all of that. Um, it's, it's actually, it's, it's, a, it's a knowing or a recognition that makes things then easier so to recognize that that you are thankful to god that's the, that's what shukr is uh and it and it the intensity of, of thankfulness is a, is another thing there, there are two you know valid ways of being thankful one is to recognize and one is to have that intensity in there and the prophet sallam, you know exhibited both he, he knew that whenever he was thanking he was thanking god but he also when he, the verse came down that that the entire community of his, which means the entire human population, would be forgiven um, all of their sins from before and after. Uh, then he stood up all night until his legs were swollen because of, of praying for thank and thankfulness for that verse. So both those intense, those 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 kinds of thankfulness were were, were exhibited in, in in his sunnah. Um, and Ibn Abi, he also goes through that so many times that we just were. Uh, I think it was, yeah, I think either my, one of my kids was saying something and it was, and we were getting into this thing, what is called metonymy. When you say, you tell someone this, but it's, it's you I mean. And in Arabic is, listen to me, uh, girl, but the neighboring girl is who I'm really talking to. And that's, and that's because mm -hmm. that the, the boy could not say anything out loud in public. So he said, I'm telling you all these things, but 
you are the one who's supposed to listen. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is the process of the, the Quran's address, is that the Quran is addressed to the Prophet, saying that when this happens or, or your sins are forgiven, he said, it's not the sins of the Prophet, it means your meaning. I'm talking to everyone here, mm-hmm. which means all of his community, which means all of the human, humanities, mm-hmm. from the normal Muhammad to his life, to his death, and then to beyond. So all of that humanity is is addressed in that one verse. And so that's why he stayed up all night when his legs swelling to, to pray for thankfulness for that one. Well, we can break if there's no more questions. One more? Yes. I'm not sure I should ask because it's late and people are off. But, um, I think that I understood you said that one's not a number. Um, the, a primary number might be two or possibly three. I think I understand two um, in terms of the way that you've explained it. And I just wondered if you might say a little bit more about right. that. Yeah. Um, see, the, the idea of, of one, um, there, there, there is a, there is a one. There, there, there are two kinds of ones. One, one, uh, and, and Talhid, which is the declaration of God's oneness, which is very interesting, is actually when there's only two. When there's two. You can't have a declaration of God's oneness unless you have two. In other words, mm-hmm. until you step out and say, so when you're, you're in, in a one, and, and then if you're in another one, you then say, oh, that was one. So until you have two, you can't mm-hmm. say there was one. So that's why you can't start here. And so it's like counting apples and oranges. When you have one, there is no saying that there's going to be a second one. There is just the one. And so the, the basic idea of one and aleph is that there is that the aleph can't be out in the calligraphic world, and the one isn't there because there is the one does not say that there should be a second. It doesn't anticipate a second. Whereas when you have two things, you can anticipate a third thing, and three things can anticipate a fourth thing. Um, but the one thing is is what it is. It's, it is what it is, and it can't it can't anticipate anything else as a second. So um, it's only when you are in another place and you look back and say, oh, there was a one, and, mm-hmm. and then you can say, now we can talk about that one, only when you have two. So that's why Ibn Abi says, so we never declare God one except the way the Quran does. But we never say in sort of intellectual ways that God is one, because that uh, who are who is the second one to say that the one is one, and uh, and and how how can you separate out of that to say oh look over there there is one, and so so the one is is so uh, is so enveloping and dispersive at the same time uh, it can't. You cannot imagine a second, and so it, so you can't start there. And the alif is behind every letter, but itself is not a letter. So, um, so the the s needs to have a has to have a, have a breath come out. And so, without a breath, the s and the d and the t and the p, b, those are all uh, there's all swords, and swords are things that are absurd. They're things that are irrational, and so. The, Irrational numbers used to be called surd numbers because they don't speak, because the idea was that harmoni- harmonious uh, wavelengths make sounds. And if you have an irrational, you can't have a sound, so it would be surd. So irrational numbers were considered surd numbers. And so, um, so the, but the aleph is, isn't everything and is itself or herself not something that can be written. So what you write is the hamsa, the, the aleph with a thing on top there. So you write the hamsa. But the Aleph is what we're really talking about. So the Aleph is in everything, but she herself is not to be seen. 
So seen in everything, but unseen. So. And then the, the who only accepts the name Wahid, one. That's the only divine name that the who accepts is one, Allah. Well, even that, if he also speaks about the Tawheed and unity, mm-hmm. but he also talks about the multiplicity. Right. So it's involved in exactly what you were explaining. Right, right. That the, that the Kathra, the, the multiplicity, is in the Ayn Wahda, is in the one. And so that, and that so, um, so that, that, in every so when the line the center point goes to the circumference every circumference point knows the center point and so the circumference says there is a center point the center point says there is a circumference and so that one is is a and so the multiplicity there's a multiplicity because all the points all, we are all on a circumference and so we and we are all multiple but we are also the line from the center point to us is the same line is the one line and in fact, uh, Ibn Arabi creates what's called a Hausdorff dimension in that he says point A to B and B to A are not the same distance. Mm-hmm. So that Allah to the points is the same distance. So Allah is the same distance away from every point, mm-hmm. but the points are not the same distance away from Allah. Some people mm-hmm. are more remote, some people are clearer mm-hmm. or nearer. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a Hausdorff dimension where A to B is not the same as B to A. Mm-hmm. So another reason to come up with a different geometry for how we look at the cosmos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Ibn Arabi uses, uh, you, you mentioned the term oneness. Um, the few term oneness, singularity, and uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe elaborate? Yeah, yeah. The, um, the, the, the five, the afrad, yeah, the, the, the afrad are, are, are sometimes translated the solitaries or something like that, but they're actually the prime numbers. So five is a prime number, and so the afrad are the people who are prime numbers. And uh, Khizr uh, is a prime number, and Moses is a uh, is not a, is a compound number, and that's because all the prophets have to be able to speak to other people. So the knowledge that they have, they have to be able to give to other people. But Khizr said, "My knowledge is not your knowledge, and you don't have access to my knowledge, and I don't have access to your knowledge." And that is so. If you are a three or a seven. Then you you can only speak to threes and sevens. But if you are 15, you can speak to threes and fives. And and and, and if you're a 30, even more people can listen to you. So the compound numbers versus afrad, the, the prime numbers. So prime numbers are actually crucial because um, Ibn Arabi says it's all we're always based on a fard, on, on a quantum or a prime number, and that's and that's because there is no repetition and predictability in prime numbers. We don't know what the next prime number will be. And so, because we can't predict what the next uh, prime number will be, there isn't a pattern interval uh, between prime numbers. And because there's not a pattern in- interval, there is no repetition in creation. Because if, if we were going around, if we're going around a circle and we were to touch all of the numbers of a certain interval, we, after one revolution, we'd be hitting the same ones over and over and over again. But if, if the circle were based on all of the prime numbers, we can go around and around and never touch the same spot twice. So that's why no repetition in creation, no repetition in the universe. And so, so the universe is based on prime number, quantum, quantum spaces in a fractal or you know, house uh, dimensional phase space, and so that, and so there is no interval that we can predict. There's no differential equations that we can use. So everything is malum, what what is in God's knowledge. 
And so, so in God's knowledge are all of these things, and we find out what they are. And what's interesting is that there's even a suggestion uh, in the Quran that Allah is, in a sense, there is a kind of finding out what comes next in God's knowledge, because the Quran says, uh, do this until we decide what is going to happen with you. And so until we decide, tends to, there, is a, there is a name which is following this train and does not is not is waiting to decide what is the decision. Mm-hmm. It's a very delicate spot there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And that's where the, the taradda, when Allah says that he wavers, it's a, that I never waver as much as I waver about taking the soul of the believer who uh, is afraid of death. And the wavering, of course, is, is this motion here. Taradda is to go back and forth, to and fro. And so this is, of course, it bothers the theologians to no extent. How can God be wavering? Mm-hmm. And Ibn Arabi explains how you waver, because wavering is to look at who, la, who, who, la, who, and it's back and forth. And so uh, things emerge from that wavering. That though, and what emerges is the malum, is the known. But the known is not, cannot be algorithmic, algorithmically known. We cannot, by algorithms, say this is what will happen next, mm-hmm. and so and mm-hmm. so, it is for it is always uh, in that in that phase space and unknown mm-hmm. what is known. <laughs> I think I think mm-hmm. we can call it there. Thank okay. you, thank you very much, Eric. Yeah.